On this week's episode, did Morpheus take the red pill or the blue pill? A preview of WWE SummerSlam and special effects legend Kevin Pike joins us. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source and the Lakers Fast Break and also Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We truly appreciate it. Plus, also, well, if you can like, share, subscribe, and do whatever you can, even throw us those Facebook gaming stars at us. We truly appreciate it. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is our own Flashpoint Batman of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His great podcast that you got to go ahead and also give five stars to the Super BS Gamescast and Topic Ocalypse. Plus, get his book today, Congratulations, You Suck, at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It is my good friend, the multi talented Josh Peterson. What's up, man? what is up so i don't know if you heard the news our friends from supernatural are or one of them at least is going to the boys uh how do you feel about that i saw that uh that was a little tidbit going out earlier this week he's going to play a uh original captain america type character ish at least a play off of him uh, so that's going to be interesting but that's coming up in season three so I'm interested to see what dynamic that he's going to bring. They're going to make mentions of him at certain points of time during season two. And I believe there's also a statue of him that was shown in one of the trailers already for season two. So I'm excited for the boys season two coming next month. And then obviously with the entry that you just talked about coming up in season three, I believe the actor in question is or has worked with uh, the showrunners behind the boys. So I think that from mm-hmm. Supernatural. Eric, Eric Kripke. Yeah. Yep, he's the uh, creator of Supernatural. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, Supernatural has been on for like 100 years. So definitely you're going to get that kind of Supernatural rub when it concerns the boys. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm seeing what kind of dynamic or what kind of mockery they can make of the Captain America character. Because a lot of these characters that they come up with and the the storylines and things of that nature are direct shots at the DC and Marvel Universe. So I'm interested in seeing what's going to come about when it comes to the boys for season two and season three. But there's also more superhero talk. As today, it was announced that Ben Affleck is coming back as Batman in the Flashpoint film. So I want to hear your thoughts on that real quick with Ben Affleck coming back in the role of Batman. I told you, my friend, I thought the Batfleck still had more life in him. So I'm glad to see this coming back. I'm glad to see him taking the opportunity to come back. And basically, I understand that he wasn't part of some great films as of yet. But I'm hoping that he'll get the opportunity to go ahead and really flesh out a little bit more that Batman character. 
Well, I think that his, you know, his love of the part kind of left when Zack Snyder left. Makes me wonder, like, they they just said, you know, I've been following um, Ray Fisher's tweets, and uh, apparently there's an investigation being launched into uh, Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns and the how they treated the cast during the filming of Justice League after Snyder left. So who knows what will come of that, but I wonder if that had any uh leaning on ben affleck or if i know he went back to rehab for a bit so it's really i i don't know man but i am really happy to see that he's getting back in the role i i really want to see i like the dynamic between these characters i like the dynamic of the justice league i like you know ben affleck's batman though i'd rather see christian bale i like ezra ezra miller's uh flash and henry cavill superman i really loved the way they all meshed together. And I'm really excited to see what Snyder does with his Snyder cut. But, you know, more importantly, I want to see more Justice League. You know, I want to see this world expanded upon because they just, they don't, they haven't stopped making films with these characters. So I would love to see them come back together and not just say, oh, it's a different world now. It's a standalone film, stuff like that. Like, yeah, have it be a standalone film, but like continue this world that you've made. It's uh. Yeah, you've had a few rough patches, but you know, if Zack Snyder's thing ends up being a hit, it very well revitalize the DCU. Absolutely. And you and I both are in the same wavelength when it comes to our thought process on this. I would love to see the Justice League overarching storyline be the main, or actually, I don't want to say the main, but be a part of the DCEU once again. All this other side stuff, all these other great stories that they're telling with the Joker and Wonder Woman and the Batman and Flashpoint and all that stuff is great. Shazam, Black Adam, the whole nine yards. That's great. And we're going to hear more about it on Sunday. And Josh, you and I are going to have wall-to-wall DC Fundome information going nonstop. So everybody's going to get the news items on what happened with DC Fundome on Monday. But I want to tell you this right now. I would love to see a future going forward with a Justice League in it and part of it. And that, I think, is the ultimate goal. As I understand it's a copy of Marvel. But in essence, DC and Marvel copy each other and have been copying each other for decades. So the ultimate thing is for DC would be a Justice League. Otherwise, really, with all these other stories... They're just other stories, and there's it's not really going anywhere without an overarching Justice League storyline. Right, and they're in this unique position right now where Marvel has already told their big story, right? They're, they're set at a point where they're starting over, pretty much. And DC has the ability to, to fill that gap. They, the big cinematic uh, universe climax, they have the chance to do that because it's going to be two, three, maybe four years before Marvel gets back to the point of Avengers Endgame. So DC really has a golden opportunity here, and I really hope that they cash in on it because if they play their cards right, I honestly don't think that the ship is fully sunk. You know, it could, again, if Snyder's cut is successful, this whole thing could be turned around and we could see something completely different. I definitely want to see something different, and that is with the advent of a Justice League complete and full and hopefully we will see more on sunday not only with wonder woman not only with the flashpoint movie but not only with black adam not only with shazam not only with all this other great dc stuff 
But Justice League, the Snyder Cut, we're going to see a little bit more from that. We've been seeing teasers, which we're posting on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. So hopefully you get a chance to check that out. But my friend, I'm really excited for what's coming up in the future if it includes a Justice League. What are your thoughts out there on Justice League? You know, hopefully being a bigger part once again of the DCEU and what you're looking forward to with the excitement of DC's fandom coming up this Sunday, which we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage for you as far as basically a recap of everything going on on Monday's show, The Pop Culture Cosmos. If you have any questions on that or you just want to let us know your excitement, please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, plus also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Plus, while it's still live, before it gets banned like the rest of the outlet, TikTok as well. Well, we're going to have a great episode today. We're still going to be talking about Call of Duty Black Ops, which came out as a teaser the other day, so we're going to talk quickly about that. Plus, also as well, Sam Mitchell, he's going to stop by with a preview of WWE SummerSlam. That's coming up here in a few minutes. At the back end of the show, we're going to have an interview with Kevin Pike, special effects legend, special effects guru. He's been a supervisor, technician. He's just He's been on over, I think, around 173 different credits to his name on IMDb, if you check it out. But some of the most influential pop culture films of all time, including Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, The Last Starfighter, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, and so many others. I'm going to get a chance to sit down with him on the back end of the show, and I'm going to speak to him about some of the, the projects that he really, really feels about and then also where the special effects industry is going from here. Plus also, Josh and I are going to be talking about No Lawrence Fishburne in Matrix 4. What's up with that? We're going to talk about that at the back end of the show. Josh got an arcade one-up, so I'll have him share his thoughts. And I know Josh has got back to school teaching and all that, but he looks a little tired already. I think he needs a vacation. What about a blockbuster Airbnb stay for him coming up in the future? We'll talk about that at the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, it's Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Came out with a teaser the other day. I think this is for them. I think it was a great place to go because we're running out of options in modern or in this last 120 years of of warfare settings and things of that nature. We're running out of options. So the Cold War is... I'm not trying to be controversial or anything, but it's a great place to go, the 80s Cold War. And so Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is, I guess, going to be this year's installment of the Call of Duty series, even though Call of Duty Warzone is out and all that. But the regular Call of Duty game is going to be based off of Black Ops Cold War. I wish they would have taken off the Black Ops part of it, because Call of Duty Cold War would have been, to me, a little bit better sounding. But I want to hear your thoughts on it. I love the trailer. I think it's one of the best that they've ever done at Activision. It really gets me kind of interested in going through a storyline on that. And I think they beat Battlefield to the punch this time around. Yeah, when I heard rumors that it was Call of Duty Cold War, I was just imagining the whole game would be you know, people in their 20s to 40s sitting behind a computer blaming Russia for things. But I'm really glad that the trailer changed my mind about this. It does look good. I don't know. I, I haven't like been excited about a Call of Duty game since Modern Warfare, you know, way back in the day. So I mean, this might be something that could 
possibly bring me back into the series. And you know from years that I am not a fan of the Call of Duty franchise. So, yeah, this is the one I'm actually considering playing. As am I, my friend, because with us, the most compelling of Call of Duty storylines, like Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, and then the early installments, were some of the best campaigns that we've gone through in the latter part of the previous decades gone by and i'm just interested to see if they can recapture that magic because they went out into space they went out into feed the future they came back into the past and you know they're, they're trying to go ahead and and reach out and grab an interesting point in time and this is something like i said before really hasn't been done too much in the realm of video games I think it's almost kind of fresh and a new perspective I'm really intrigued in and with Battlefield and the EA series Battlefield kind of searching for all these different types of uh, time frames too as well I really as I said before think they beat them to the punch with Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War I really am liking this idea but your thoughts on it I mean Call of Duty sells regardless we say that they're trending down or they're trending up and they're still selling millions. They've got Call of Duty Warzone. My question to you is, with Call of Duty Warzone, I understand you thought that they were it's still not as popular as it once was when it first came out. I still think it has a nice base. Will Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War be affected by it because of the fact that they're now splitting even more the Call of Duty brand even further. So will it will it be a problem with gamers to go ahead and I want to play $60 game of Call of Duty when I'm already playing a free-to-play game of Call of Duty Warzone? That's a good question. It might, but then again, you know, just because of the branding, like there are people who will buy every Call of Duty game out there, you know, and if they, and here's the, the kind of the cool thing about it is with Call of Duty, like you can usually, the trade-in value is usually pretty high for a couple of weeks, right? So you buy Call of Duty, a lot of people can play it or play at their friend's house and if they don't like it, they can trade it in for something else. So, you know, I think Call of Duty fans are kind of like Madden fans. Like they will buy a new title regardless of whatever circumstances are happening in the market right now. I'll tell you what, my friend, I am looking forward to it, and I know you are as well. Once again, it's Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War that's coming out, well, I'm assuming late October, early November, like it always does, like clockwork, death, taxes, and Call of Duty. Pretty much count on it each and every year. That's coming again to consoles everywhere, and I'm assuming there's going to be a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X those different versions will be available as well. Whether or not it's for the price or free upgrade, that's also up for debate. So I'm interested to hear what Activision has to say. I mean, Activision in the past has been kind of greedy, like 2K and EA on, on some money issues like that. So we'll see what happens with Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Take off the Black Ops, please. Just keep it Call of Duty Cold War. That's the way we like it. But again, we're looking forward to it for us who have been out of the Call of Duty series for quite some time, this is something that, for once, we might be interested in returning to a Call of Duty once again. What are your thoughts out there on Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War? We want to hear your thoughts. Are you excited to go into the Cold War? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com.
Well, coming up next, we've got Sam Mitchell previewing WWE SummerSlam. After the half hour, it's going to be Kevin Pike, special effects legend. He's going to talk to me about all the great things going on in the world of special effects and his great career. And then after that, what's up with no Morpheus in Matrix 4? Josh got an Arcade 1 up and Blockbuster Airbnb on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the PCC Multiverse. It is that time of the year once again for wrestling fans coming right around the corner. This Sunday, it is WWE's annual event, one of their big four. It is SummerSlam. A lot of people are looking forward to this. A lot of people have seen what's gone down as far as the angles, the storylines. They're curious to see what's going to happen. And here with me today to talk about and preview WWE SummerSlam this Sunday is a great guest indeed. I want to go ahead and just really give him a warm Pop Culture Cosmos welcome. It is Sam Mitchell. Sam, I just truly appreciate you being part of the program today. Yeah, no problem, man. Not a problem at all. I can't wait to do this. All right, so let's get into it. I also want to let everybody know out there, I'm going to be providing some odds from our good friend, Rafael Esparza. He is one of the main guys out here in Vegas. In fact, he's the Las Vegas informer. You got to see what he's doing today at DocSports.com. Also as well, his stuff that he's got for BetOnline.ag. So we're going to run it down right now for the odds that he sent me. So I want to hear your thoughts first on the Raw Tag Team Championship between the Street Profits and Andrade and Angel and Garza. My yeah. thoughts are, first of all, I think they're okay. I think the Street Profits have an excellent theme song and a good character, but we'll see how it goes. Well, we'll see how it goes indeed. I'm leaning towards the Street Profits. Hair versus hair match from WWE SmackDown side. It's Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Right now, as far as the odds on it, Rafael Esparza has Mandy Rose as a favorite over Sonya Deville, minus 400 to plus 300. I want to hear your thoughts. Do you think Mandy Rose is going to come out with her hair intact and Sonya Deville is going to get a little bit of a head shave? I think Mandy's going to win. I think it's time for her to get some redemption. She has not gotten it yet, so it's time for her to get some. For the WWE United States Championship, it's Apollo Crews who has been having quite a bit of late with all the individuals in and around the entourage of MVP. He takes on the suddenly, I don't want to say reborn again per se, but MVP was an individual who came back to WWE, was only looking to do a couple appearances and then work mainly backstage as a producer. Then all of a sudden he gets the call to go ahead and come back full time as a wrestler. So I'm really happy for him. But... Right now, he's getting the call in the United States Championship title match against Apollo Crews. Rafael has him as a slight favorite. Apollo Crews minus 200 to MVP's plus 160. I think it's going to be a little bit more definitive. 
I still think there's going to be some outside interference, but I think Apollo Crews will come out on top in the U.S. title match. I have to disagree. I think the interference is going to be too much, and the Hurt Business will take care of Apollo, and MVP is going to take the title. Well, if that's the case, then that means the WWE is putting a lot of stock in the Hurt Business. And as you've seen of late, they're really gearing up towards bringing factions back, which as you, you hopefully you remember, and all, a, lot, a lot of people out there remember, that was one of the keys as far as a foundational period for the growth of WWE during the late 90s. Obviously, the Attitude Era, these factions really came to power during that time. So WWE is going back with the Hurt Business and Retribution, among others. Coming up next is the WWE Raw Street Fight, and this is something that has garnered quite a bit of interest between Seth Rollins and Dominic Mysterio, son of Rey Mysterio Jr. I'm surprised when I see this as far as the odds are concerned because the fact that it's so close as far as a Seth Rollins being such a slight favorite in the street fight. I am personally leaning towards Seth Rollins, but I thought he would be a little bit more heavy favorite because of the substantial background that he has. And Dominic, who is just getting started in the business and is looking to become, I think, a a more developed wrestler down the road. But I want to hear your thoughts on this Raw Street fight from the eye for an eye match, which... Uh, you know, I don't want to even go into that because of the ridiculousness of that with Rey Mysterio's Jr., quote-unquote, eyes popping out. But I want to hear your thoughts on the street fight match between Dominic Mysterio and Seth Rollins. Well, I think Dominic's going to win because it's his debut. And I think all I know is every debut wrestler almost all the time wins. A, and B, I think it's going to be a redemption story as well. You know, I could go off on an hour on, on this subject because of the fact that WWE's men's division is really not that strong right now but I'm going to go ahead first off with the Smackdown Universal Championship Braun Strowman who is a slight underdog to retain his WWE Smackdown Universal Championship against Bray Wyatt people still think that Bray Wyatt still has enough cachet and has enough I guess uh, uniqueness with his character in order to go ahead and give him another run at a championship, that's what Rafael Spars is thinking. I'm thinking Braun Strowman at this point in time, but I want to hear your thoughts on the SmackDown Universal Championship between Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. Well, either one I could could win either way, but do you think it? Well, first of all, I had a question. You watched SmackDown last week, right? Mm-hmm. You think a double turn occurred? A lot of people have, have said that with Alexa Bliss in the middle uh, of this, and I'm going to say that Alexa Bliss might be involved with this match. Whether or not it's going to cost Braun Strowman the title, or whether it's not it's going to cost Bray Wyatt, I'm not in love with Bray Wyatt's character as much as other people. I think for me, it was nice originally, and it was really good and really original, but then it sort of faded. I think that Bray Wyatt's time as a top contender is almost finished, but if you want to go ahead and give him one last run, this is the time now to do it, but I'm still thinking Braun Strowman. If you don't let him retain the title now and win the match, it shows me that the WWE does not have any faith in his character. That is very true. I have some faith in his character, but I just think Bray's better. (laughs) It could be a situation where Bray Wyatt once again wins the Universal Championship 
The WWE Raw Championship is on the line with Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton. And Rafael Sparza has Randy Orton as, again, a slight favorite over Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre has improved over the years, coming back from the indie scene to become a big-time player in the WWE. Under different circumstances, without coronavirus in the world and the fact if we still had live audiences, I could get a better read on his how his character is performing and connecting with audiences. But declining ratings are telling me that a change is in order. And even though I think Randy Orton sometimes has the charisma of a tree, you know what? He's always a main player since his debut because he has talent. And I will not dissuade his talent at all. He sometimes doesn't get over to a broad base of fans, even when he's been champion. But right now, with his punt of Ric Flair, with his injury... Yeah, exactly. And with his his RKOs and his injuries to Shawn Michaels, although I'm sure both are fine at this point in time. Don't want to hurt those legends. I think I'm going to go with with Randy Orton, simply because of the fact he has a lot of momentum right now, obviously stemming from the edge matches as well. It wasn't the greatest match of all time as they were advertising, but still he had a very good match with edge recently before edge went out with an injury. The WrestleMania match wasn't that hot, but right now Randy Orton has a lot going for him. Drew McIntyre as champion hasn't had a lot going for him. I don't even think a lot of fans out there may even realize Drew McIntyre has the championship so I want to hear your thoughts. I'm leaning towards Randy Orton simply because of the fact that Randy still has a lot of cachet within the WWE and he's being pushed heavily right now. Yep. Everything you said is true. I'm going to go with Randy. They have a catchphrase. You'll never see it coming. The ice is going to be shot because he'll never see it coming. Yeah. He'll never see it coming. And you can post all those internet memes with Randy Orton doing the RKO on random people all over the world. The fact that he's an internet meme in and of itself tells you that he's got more going for him right now than Drew McIntyre. So I do see Randy getting the title at WWE SummerSlam. Unfortunately for me and a lot of other people that had some hope for the promise of Drew McIntyre, I just don't think it's working right now. And overall ratings right now is under 2 million for Raw on a regular basis, which is not a good sign for the company indeed. And I think as the guy who you look towards to holding that championship belt and being the face of Raw, it's not working right now. So a change needs to be made. And last but not least, my friend, I did want to say I want to leave it for last. And that is the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship and also as well the Women's Raw Championship. With Bailey defending the SmackDown Championship and Sasha Banks defending the Raw Women's Championship against the same individual who won the Battle Royal on Friday on SmackDown and also won on Mondays against Bailey to face off against Sasha Banks. I know it gets all mixed up, but you have to follow the storyline on, on this. Is Asuka. Right now, the Asuka is even money. With Bailey at a minus 120. Asuka is a slight favorite with Sasha Banks at a minus 182 plus 140. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I think Asuka is right now, pound for pound, male or female, best worker on the planet. I'm going to tell you right now. And 
if you want to continue the storyline where Bailey and Sasha Banks have dissension and they start feuding against each other, which is looking more and more like it, they're doing a slow build on that. And they have a tag team match on next Sunday's pay-per-view ahead where they could possibly lose that title as well. I think you go ahead at this point in time and give Asuka not only one, but two world title belts. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's right. But she is the best worker right now, in my opinion, in the entire world. And I think if it's given to her, at least for a short period of time, one or both, I think it's really a justification of her talents. My thoughts is I think Asuka will win one of those championships and then the other will just capitalize on her. And that's not to be unexpected. It's just the fact that you and I both see down the road, maybe for Royal Rumble or maybe for Survivor Series, Bailey versus Sasha Banks, that becoming a feud at some point in time where each other costs each other their titles respectively. I see that happening at SummerSlam. I see also as well the next week them doing whatever they can as far as mishandling or whatever, some dissension and costing their tag titles. But again, their dynamic is working very well, and it's one of the very good positives that's coming out of Raw and SmackDown. So you've got to be careful about how you want to play this out. They're going to lose their titles at some point in order to go ahead to start a feud between each other, but you're not sure when that's going to happen. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that dynamic is going to happen. So Asuka, I think, is going to at least win one, but I would have her win two just to get that dissension started along the way. Well, I want to thank you so much, Sam. It's been a pleasure having you on. I wonder if you can come back again at some point in time and talk to me about more WWE. I'll tell you what, I would love to have you on for a Royal Rumble preview, if that sounds good to you. Sure. Royal Rumble preview next year? Yeah. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it already as we go ahead forward with WWE SummerSlam right now. Survivor Series in the future and Royal Rumble going forward as hopefully we get to a better sign for the wrestling world and our world as a whole coming up with more great wrestling action. And we'll go ahead and preview it for you, all the major stuff going on in the world of pro wrestling and sports entertainment right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get, how will he get it, and how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. All right, and we're back with the program once again. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you so much for joining us. Got a special treat for everyone out there. When you watch movies, as we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, there's just so many things that we go ahead and appreciate as far as the movies that are out there. And so many of them that have been done over the past 40-plus years have really just been so much part of our pop culture and a man who's been part of many of these projects. And as you can see here on Facebook Live, on his IMDb page, Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, The Last Starfighter, Jaws, even from the very beginning he was part of, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, so many others. Like I said, over 173 credits IMDb has listed. Been doing so many things out there that's been such a part of our lives, our culture, our history, and so much more. 
It is my distinct pleasure to have on a great guest today. It is Kevin Pike. And Kevin, I just truly appreciate you being on the show today. And first off, as someone who loves pop culture, I just truly want to thank you for everything that you've contributed to our lives. Thank you very much, Gerald, for having me. I'm happy to be here and and treat the fans with some behind-the-scenes knowledge. Everybody's excited about Jaws. I was fortunate to be involved in it when I was 22 years old, and it launched a career that I never expected. And after 45 years, uh, I look back and I see a lot of gems in the crown, and I'm very happy to have been a contributor. I know the fans really like the movies. From a person who has been either part of the special effects team, been a consultant, or on many 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 films been the special effects supervisor Uh, your list and career is just truly one of the most outstanding in hollywood and as someone who actually worked for a couple different special effects companies way back in the day boss film studios and pacific data images as a small tiny tiny role in there i saw the effort that went into it each and every day the hours that every single person at these special effects companies that they put in the work that they do, and the things that they commit to. And like you said before, the things that you've been part of, you know, can you just at this point in time just sit back and just truly appreciate everything that you've done for the movie industry? I take a moment every now and then to look at some of the pictures, some of uh, the posters, um, the awards from time to time, and a lot of things didn't always go as well as you'd like because it's special effects, but I'm very happy when I take a look at the body of work. I know that the fans like it. They always have questions about one film or the other, and I'm happy to answer them. Hard work pays off. It does indeed. And again, you've done such great work over the years. And I I know you get hit upon by numerous fans out there, numerous people and individuals such as myself that want to say, you know what, I love your work in this movie. I love your work in this television show. I love your work in this movie. And I know that you get hit up with all the same requests for a a great majority of your work. I mean, many of the work was just recently highlighted in our top 100 films of all time on many of the movies that you were part of. I want to ask you this. Is there one movie that you think deserves more love? I've got one in mind from your list I want to talk to you about more. But, you know, with all the great films that you've been a part of, is there one that you think deserves a little bit more love than what it gets There are three that I feel are really gems that I don't always get questions on, but I really love the way the movie came out or some lesson I learned or just the thrill of working with that director. The first one is Last Starfighter, and that's because it happened to be the first big show that I landed, and it was Baptism by Fire. I wasn't necessarily over my head, but I was scrambling every day to get the gags the way they wanted them. I learned a lot. Um, It came out well. They're coming out with a 4K and they've just granted me a commentary track on it. So I hope you all look forward to that. The other one that I'm really fond of is Tim Burton's movie called Ed Wood. It was so soft-spoken, but it it was black and white. It was a historical biopic with Larry and Scott Alexander writing the story about the best parts of his life. It was a really interesting character. I loved the script. I loved trying to achieve everything that Tim wanted. you got to kind of discern what he's going for and where he's looking uh, uh, and guess ahead of him. Uh, Johnny was fabulous. It was fun to do. 
uh, history on the way old pyrotechnics were done when he made his silly B movies. That it's a wonderfully crafted movie. Um, just, you know, Mark Landau's performance as Bella. Uh, I had fun on it. It was always interesting. And I'm very proud the way it came out. I think that Tim did a great job on it and it tells a wonderful story. The third one that I always enjoy talking about, and I can because I worked on it, is Fight Club and working for David Fincher. What a tough nut to crack. He knows everything about everything, and you better be ready because you're going to hit the ground running with him. I had the pleasure of working with Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. They had just wonderful guys, a lot of hard work, a lot of detail in everything that David does. I was pleased that he asked me again after the show to work with him on a, a music video by um, a perfect circle called Judith, which was just as difficult as it was when we were working on Fight Club. But those three movies, I don't always get questions about, but if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, oh, you did Last Starfighter? I love that film. Well, I do too. And I'd be very wealthy if I could uh, compensate. I hear you on that. And Fight Club and The Last Starfighter were both very influential films for altogether different reasons, but they're both still part of our pop culture and very excellent films. But Ed Wood is something that was the one I was going to point towards you. I said I had one in mind, and that was the one I was going to talk to you about because Ed Wood, like you said, I saw it in the theaters. I saw the imagery. I saw the quirky way it was approached. And it was approached in, in the best way to deal with with his life, the way he perceived things. So your crew, just from all aspects, from Tim Burton to Johnny Depp, like you said, just approached it in the best way possible. One of the parts about working on Ed Wood was the fact that you got to study Ed Wood. You got to learn who Ed Wood was. You got to go and watch all of his movies and realize that here's a guy that said, we're going to make the movie. Uh, it's like when Johnny says, roll sound. We don't have sound. All right, well, then roll film. It was just that character who Ed Wood was. It was just wonderful to learn about his life. And he just kept doing the best he could to get his films made. And it was a wonderful story. When I first heard the concept about this guy who uh, is a little perverse in his lifestyle, and then they're going to make a movie about him. Then you got Johnny and then you got Tim and it all just comes together. Uh, I, I enjoyed working with Corla Pandit. It was just a cast of characters that were so unique and it was a lot of fun. And I, I love biopics and I love learning about this guy. Absolutely. And Martin Landau, who you mentioned earlier, he received an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, if I remember correctly, for that role uh, playing Bella Lugosi, uh, and yes. and it was just such a uh, a great pleasure to see that movie in the theaters. I can honestly say I'm one of the few that actually saw that movie in the theaters, so I have a great appreciation for it. Because when you have in the modern era those films that accentuate the black and white experience and do it right, it's truly something not only from a nostalgic standpoint that's wonderful to see, but also an appreciation and homage to what we've seen before. Let's let's talk about Martin Landau. Here's a veteran that knows everything he needs to know. He took to that character so genuinely. And one of the things that Tim said we're going to do is have this battle with the octopus. 
uh, in this pond. And one of the things that most people don't know is we went to the same location that Ed Wood filmed in and did the same stunt with making the pond by using sandbags and loosely lighting it with headlights. And we had the luxury of making the water warm for Martin. I hope you appreciated that. And doing that whole scene where he had to improvise because the octopus didn't work and Ed Wood had to say, just, just fake it, wrestle around and we'll make something happen. Um, Academy Award worthy, definitely. Just a genuine pro. Sometimes you actually was more difficult, I would imagine, because in real life, these situations went awry or with the way that it was directed. So you not only had to create a situation where it, it you know, these, these scenes in context had to not work perfectly. They had to mess up. They had to look like it was B grade. And sometimes that's even harder than doing something straight in and of itself. You're right about that. When we had to fly the flying saucers over the models, you know, we had to research what they looked like and how the old people did it back then. And, you know, we had to research uh, the pyrotechnic methodologies and what they used back then and still make them look. uh, They had to be safe, of course, but it had to contribute to that look, which was done years before. And that historical part of it was so enjoyable. It was just like reading a good book. And we had a lot of fun matching some of the old pieces and old props, things like that. Um, It was just uh, all all good. All good indeed. Once again, I'm speaking to Kevin Pike. He's a special effects, uh, I guess, uh, I guess you could probably say this legend. Supervisor. Uh, Their supervisor, legend, guru, whatever you want to say. He is, uh, again, someone so influential in the world of special effects. And you can check out his entire listing of great films on IMDb today. That's the first thing that stuck to me. For all the films that you've been a part of, the special recognition that you got for Earth 2, where does that stand as far as your accomplishments in your career? When you look back on the shows that I was involved in and how the shows manifested themselves and I got involved with them, starting right from the early tales on Jaws, I was working on a show with a supervisor named Roy Arbogast, who had a lot to do with my upbringing and training. And they had an earthquake. And he was on the other side of a freeway that had collapsed. And I was on this side. And I was closer to the shooting schedule. And I ended up running the company for him while they rebuilt sets. And I did the location work. And the first AD took a liking to me. And he said, I have some people coming to the set. and I thought maybe you'd like to talk to him about it. And and he told me it's a TV show. And then Ego being nasty said, TV, I'm not so sure. I'm you know doing features kind of thinking. But I sat down with them and they said, we're gonna go to great locations that can't be seen by life as far as contrails and, and telephone poles and way out. And they settled on Santa Fe and they said, we'd like to have you aboard. And we're going to be there for a year. Okay. So we made all the arrangements. I brought my family and my nanny and the cats and everything that we had to do. And I got to work for a year in the town of Santa Fe. And the places that we went for the locations were some of the strangest places in their geography and what their looks were. So it was an unworldly look on it. And 20 episodes in a year. 
and it was TV. You're prepping a show while you're shooting a show, and you're hanging on to all the insert shots of all the gadgets and the blinking lights and the things that they haven't finished, and that rotation goes all the way through. And then it comes time for holiday break at Christmas time, and they decided they were going to shoot all those little bits and pieces so the editors could cut during the holiday break. It was extremely ambitious. I actually used 167 different workers on some show somewhere in some part in the arc of that series. And when we were done, we were very sad that it did not get picked up. Uh, we thought for sure that it would because we had a lot of fan base and it got nominated for the sound effects, the makeup effects and the special effects. And I worked in concert with uh, DreamQuest who were responsible for all the miniatures and a lot of the visual effects pieces. And sure enough, we, we garnered the award. And I'm very proud to say that I worked on it and I worked my tail off on it. And um, every now and then uh, you get some gold. There you go. There you go. And it's well-deserved indeed. And of course, obviously, with the fine things that you've done over your career, you've seen so much in the special effects industry. And I said, like I said, I had a very small part way back in the 90s working on a few films during that period of time. So I can understand just a smidgen of what it was just like for you, for you on a regular basis to work on so many great projects. But before we head on out, I wanted to ask you this, your thoughts on where the industry is going forward. I mean, you see right now all the major AAA big budget fiascos that are out there, plus also the smaller independent films that can also incorporate a lot of modern technology too. Some of the projects that are out there, like, for instance, The Mandalorian, which still uses a lot of practical effects, which, you know, traces back so many years to Star Wars and, and even before that. So I want to hear your thoughts on where you think the industry is going forward. I've been fortunate to start back when our mechanical effects was focused on the elements. Wind, rain, fire, snow, sleet pretty much what effects men had to do. We had the other fellas in the prop shop that made custom props that just couldn't be rented or, or bought. And you learned all of that with your hands. And they had optical effects. They married shots on an optical printer, put, pulling mats and combining uh, things they photographed that they had to insert, flying saucers, whatever. They had rear screen projection. They had blue screen. And I worked with a lot of wonderful, talented, special visual effects artist at the time. Universal had Al Whitlock, and he was a joy to work with when he had to perform something in front of a blue screen. And that all grew up, and they started doing video effects and combining them, and it ended up being the CGI world that it was. And when that took off, it kind of overloaded itself. It thought it could do everything. And so everything was tried. Oh, we don't have to do that. We can just do it this way. We can do it with a visual effect. And then they realized that that look wasn't always so comfortable with everybody. And they started making a marriage of our work and it got popular again. And we ended up doing bigger effects work than ever before. He's very popular about combining both sides on all that he does. He's fun with all the car crashes and all the full size pieces. And I think that's the marriage that it has to take. Where it's going, it's anybody's guess. You know, right now we're getting hit with some trouble called the virus and everything is not moving forward. I hope it ends soon. I hope everybody gets to go back to work and do what they love. And I'm not sure what the future is going to bring. I had the pleasure of being on the Academy Committee for the visual effects to help 
corral what films should be up for consideration and got to look at tons of information and tons of history and tons of behind the scenes stuff at our bake-offs with all the information in the pamphlets. It's just a wonderful contribution to film and where it's gonna go, it's anybody's guess. You never know what the new technology is when it comes along. Let me ask you this real quick. Do you think, when you talk about award season time and all that, do you think that the Academy's normal approach that uh, it has to appear in theaters in Los Angeles and New York by Christmas, do you think for this one year, due to obviously the events of the coronavirus, that they should waive that and include a lot of projects that are on streaming networks and that were based for streaming networks, per se? What they've done, if I understand my emails, is that they've passed new ruling stating that if something could be streamed in a legit fashion, feature length, everything except for the medium, because the theaters are closed, then it would be accepted. And they're also listing those screeners on their website. So as soon as it qualifies for its ruling, then you can go ahead and watch them as opposed to waiting for DVDs to be delivered by UPS and FedEx later in the year. As a matter of fact, I've already started getting DVDs sent that I can watch the shows now. You have to make these modifications. If you can't go to the theater, and the rule is you have to see it in a theater, then you're going to have to change something or you're going to skip a year. It's like sports. What are you going to do? You have to make some changes somehow, uh, and hopefully that the people will take advantage of the system and tune into it too. I know people just were so purists, they won't go to a film unless they can see it in a theater. Despite the texting of the teens and things like that, the audience reaction is something that they live for when they're watching it and the value of the input through a big screen. That's awesome to hear. But before we head on out, you know, you've just been so gracious with your time and I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I want to know, if, is there anything you want to go ahead and promote before we head on out or tell the fans out there at large? I'm happy to hear from the fans if they just grab onto my email address, they have questions or if they're looking for some autographed pictures with the DeLorean time machine, for instance, that seems pretty popular, I'm happy to do it. I work as a writer's consultant now, and if you've got a script you don't know how to finish, by all means, tag me, and we'll see if we can work out something. Well, that's awesome to hear indeed. Once again, I'm speaking to Kevin Pike. He is, again, just one of the greatest individuals to ever be a part of the special effects industry. So many different projects. You can check out all of his entire entire work right there at IMDb, his awards that he's won, the movies that he's been part of, and television shows over the course of the years. Kevin, I just truly appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. And from all of us who have enjoyed your work over the many years, I cannot thank you enough for providing us so many great memories in the world of pop culture. Well, Gerald, I want to thank you very much for having me. It's always fun to know that a movie you did 45 years ago still holds up and everybody wants to see it again. I'm glad I offered something for enjoyment and the perpetuity of film helps people like it again year after year. Gosh, Back to the Future's on TV every day somewhere. So joy to the hearts and appreciate the fondness and reciprocation. If I can do anything to help you, I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Gerald. Thank you so much for being part of the pop culture. Christmas. 
If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the show, the PCC Multiverse. Want to thank so much Sam Mitchell for previewing WWE SummerSlam and Kevin Pike for stopping by on the show, talking about all the great things going on with special effects. My friend, before we head on out, I want to talk to you about no Lawrence Fishburne in Matrix 4. He was quoted the other day at news outlets stating that he was not asked to be a part of the Matrix 4, which I believe Lana Wachowski of the Wachowskis is directing. It's only one Wachowski this time around. So I want to hear your thoughts on No Morpheus. While he's not at the level of Neo as far as importance in the Matrix, I still think for me he is an integral part of the Matrix. And if you're going to have Keanu Reeves, if you're going to have Carrie Ann Moss, if you're going to have Jada Pinkett Smith, why not have Lawrence Fishburne in there as well? Okay, question, and refresh my memory on this. Didn't Morpheus die in The Matrix? Well, if you believe the storyline, if you believe canon, which the Wachowskis approved, he, I think, perished in a storyline in one of the video games. I think The Matrix Online, if I'm not mistaken. I was reading up on that earlier this week. Why would you do that in an online video game? So this is weird to me. Lawrence Fishburne, like this is, and I might be the only one, but when I think about The Matrix, I don't even think about Keanu Reeves. I think about Morpheus, you know, just like how menacing and intriguing he was. So it seems weird to me that they wouldn't have him. But then again, like Morpheus kind of lost his significance once neo became all powerful and that was like i remember watching revolutions and like i could care less about morpheus because i was too busy like wondering why they made neo as powerful as he was and kind of turned him into god and i didn't really it kind of removed all the care i had for the character so yeah it's weird that there's no morpheus in there is trinity coming back did you say that Mm -hmm. already yep jada pinkett smith's coming back carrie ann moss of course, Keanu Reeves, but no Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, I wonder what the circumstances were behind that. I think he was a little bit sad. I don't know if he's a little bit bitter, but I think the way it was phrased or the way it was quoted, it just seemed like he could have been part of it. Like maybe he wanted to be a part of it, but unfortunately, either the storyline or something didn't work out, money issues or whatever. You know, you never know really, truly 100% behind the scenes what goes on in Hollywood. But it is unfortunate that we have no Lawrence Fishburne in Matrix 4. So, Well, at least we got our, our Keanu Reeves-Fishburne reunion in, in John Wick, though, right? So yeah. that counts for something, I think. That it does, my friend. That it does. What are your thoughts out there on Lawrence Fishburne not reprising the role of Morpheus in Matrix 4? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, Josh... You are now officially part of the, I guess, collective, the Arcade 1-Up Collective. With your recent purchase of an Arcade 1-Up, your thoughts behind it, your, you know, your initial impressions of it. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I haven't. All I know is what's at Walmart, and it was like the Pac-Man one that I got that also has Galaga. 
But you see the they one I have with Final Fight right there. So that's the one I have right yeah. now. Yeah. Do they still have those? Like, Because that's supposed to have ghosts and goblins on it, right? Mm-hmm. As I see. Yep. That's yeah. right. So I like. I would like to, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to invest in another arcade one-up, but, like, I like the idea of having ghosts and goblins on an arcade. If you're uh, able to yeah, find I'm... it, it's most likely going to be discounted, but I'm not sure. The availability on that, since it's a Series 2, if I'm not mistaken, is, is kind of hard to come by. Okay. Yeah, so my initial thoughts on it are, I mean, it's cool. It's From what I've, I've read about it, it's based, the Galaga game is based on the a PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 port of the game in the arcade there's not really a lot of delay when you're pressing the button but in this there is a lot of delay it fires two shots at a time and then you have to be it, you know you can keep pressing it but it takes a good three to four seconds to fire another round so you know i've never experienced that in the arcade before but you know it might just be because it's a console port but i would i don't understand why they wouldn't just give you the original arcade masterpiece on there instead of doing something that really isn't that great quality. Your Galaga experience overall, does it bring back enough memories for you? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying it. I just, it's a little more difficult to play than, you know, if I went to like a pizza place and played Galaga. That's my only complaint about it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what I can do with Arcade 1UP or what Arcade 1UP has to offer in the future as both of us now are part of the Arcade 1UP family. So we're looking forward to more great things from Arcade 1UP going forward. Monday, Josh and I will have wall-to-wall coverage on our show, The Pop Culture Cosmos, of what went on with DC's Fandom. Also, if you want to get a chance, please check out our shows, The Inside Sports Fantasy Football, which is back with Chris Lardieri. The many episodes of the Lakers Fast Break, because we're doing shows each and every day on the NBA playoffs, so stay tuned to that. Rafael Barlow, myself, Laker Tom, we're doing a, a lot of things on there and Lakerholics.com. Our good friends at First Entertainment Credit Union with the brand new Lakers debit card. Thank you so much for sharing the news on, on the debut of that debit card this week. So give them some love at firstdnt.org slash Lakers. But before we head on out, my friend, one last thing. You look a little tired already after a week of school. I think you need a vacation. I always want a vacation. Everybody knows this. <laughs> okay. Well, since you do. A great place to try, especially for you with a blockbuster, I don't want to say fanaticism, but you are a blockbuster fan. There's no better place to go than blockbuster because they now have set up an Airbnb at the last blockbuster on earth. So I want to hear your thoughts on that, my friend. Would you go ahead and spend some time at a blockbuster Airbnb? So that that depends. I'm thinking about what this looks like and are there movies inside of this? I would assume as such, yes. I believe there is a TV set up with old VHS uh, VCRs and VHS tapes playing, but then you can also, I'm sure, ask for DVDs as well. Okay, so that checks off the list. Is there snacks? Like when you waited in line at Blockbuster, you know, you grab snacks and candy. Does that exist here? Must be kidding me. I'm assuming in the price that either going to have easy access or it comes with a deal. Okay, is there a hot tub is my next question. I don't think that's the case because it's inside the store. No, that's but, a deal breaker. I'm just kidding. But yeah, I would totally stay there. There you go. That's what I would thought. You, would, would you? Would you stay there? You know, I'm not as much of a Blockbuster fan as you were. I didn't frequent it as much. I did frequent it, but I didn't frequent it as much as you did. 
But mm. you know what? As You're... far as for nostalgia and to think like I'm going to be like Captain Marvel and crash through the roof late at night at a blockbuster, you never know. I could have some fun at a blockbuster A or B and B. So I just want everyone to know that Gerald pretty much admitted he's a Hollywood video guy. So, you know, let the shunning commence. I ran Game Crazies. What do you expect? <laughs> it's a sister company. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great